Well, well welcome to our inaugural 1030 Mass. Um, we're, uh, we're still in this process of people coming back to church, and so I've, I've been uh, kind of reuniting with people I haven't seen in, in, in quite some time. And so if I know there's some people outside that, that are here for the first time since, gosh, March, I think. You know, and if there's anybody else that's here for the, the first time, of course, you're, you're most welcome to be here. We're glad you're here with us. The question, one of the questions I'd like for us to be able to answer today is this. Why did Jesus, why was he sent out into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan? And we already know that he's not going to sin, he's God, so he's not going to fail. But why would God, the Spirit, drive Jesus into the desert for fasting and for temptation? Why would God do this to his son? What would be the point of it? What's important to remember, and we can draw the connection because of that first reading from, that talks about Noah, okay? Remember that these stories from the first 11 chapters of Genesis are, um, are stories that talk to us about our origins, and, and so they're very ancient sort of understandings of, of, of how God worked with his people. And we know that very soon after creation, sin and evil come into the world, right? You have, that, you have Adam and Eve sinning, and then you have their son killing his brother, and evil just perpetuates and multiplies exponentially. And then we're told that at a certain point, God had enough. That's it. These people are wicked. They're vicious. I'm just going to destroy them. Unless I can find some righteous ones. Well, Noah and his family. And that was it. Everyone else wiped out. And then we're told at the end of the story that God would not do this again. He would not handle the, the same problem with the same remedy. It is a way to, to remedy the problem. Just, you know, because if you're God, you can, you can do that, right? So if you're just going to kill all the bad people, well, that's one way to do it. But we're told he's not going to do that again. He's going to solve the problem a different way, presumably, because the problem's going to come back. And the way that he solves the problem, this is one way my, uh, or this is how my, my theology professor in Rome talked about it. The way that he solves the problem is he takes responsibility for the problem. Now, God didn't sin. God didn't create sin. He didn't directly cause sin or evil. But he did create the conditions by which they could come about, both natural evil as well as moral evil, free will. God created that, and from those things, evil can come come about in the world that he created. But now as opposed to just sort of standing afar off, I'm going to solve the problem by just wiping them out. He says, I'm going to become one of them. And I'm not going to go after a temporary solution, which is only going to stop evil for a generation or so. I'm going to go for a permanent solution. I will send my son I will take on human nature, and I will save my people definitively through their own nature. 
I will show them that they are not alone, that they have a God with them. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. He has not abandoned us. In fact, he's united himself to us so that he feels how we feel, so that he experiences things that we experience, even things like temptation. Yes, he won't fail because he's God, but he will still feel the pulls, you know, the, the, uh, the things that draw our human nature or try to draw our human nature away from God. He will still feel that. He will know what it's like to suffer, to lose a friend, to cry, to mourn. We have a God who understands us and then ultimately redeems us through our own nature to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Okay, so he goes out in the desert and he's tempted by Satan. And we remember, um, you know, from from the other uh, Gospels, a little bit more about these temptations, but basically the temptations are this from Satan to Jesus. Don't do what you're going to do. Just leave it alone. Just don't, don't mess. I've got a good thing going here. <laughs> and if, if I can give you power to, to, to leave it all alone, don't ascend, don't change anything, don't fix anything, Certainly don't redeem anything. Just take the power that you already have and leave it alone. That's basically what Satan is telling Jesus to do through his temptation. Now, Satan doesn't, I mean, he doesn't exactly know what Jesus is up to, but he knows enough that he knows that Jesus is his enemy. And whatever he's up to can't be good for him. And so he just wants Jesus to stop. Stop doing whatever it is you're about to do. The temptation to not transform. The temptation not to change what needs to be changed. Um, The temptation not to, as it were, grow. Is the enemy, is the enemy of God as it relates to spirituality. So much so that we even have a sin named after it, and it's one of the deadly, sloth. And of the seven deadly sins, the three worst of the deadly sins are the ones that correspond to our spiritual nature, pride, envy, and sloth. Spiritual laziness is a deadly sin. The deadly sins kill the soul. And spiritual sloth is, it's, it's not just oh, I missed my prayers today, you know, that kind of thing, or I didn't pay attention to Father's homily. Somebody out there. It's too many of you. Um, You know, it's not like that. It's not that. It's, It's, you know, kind of a commitment to not change. It's a commitment to not being transformed. It's a commitment to, I will not serve God. I will not allow God and the Spirit to drive me into the wilderness to be changed, metaphorically. I will not allow God to have access. I choose it. That's where it becomes a deadly sin. Because that's precisely what God wants to do. That's precisely what he aims to do and intends to do. To prepare us for eternity. That's what the sacraments are for. 
People can receive the sacraments and you say, well, they received the, I went and received the Eucharist. Okay, but did you allow it to transform you? Did you really truly open up your heart to, to allow that grace to penetrate? And, and here we are at the beginning of Lent. It's, it's the time to think about this stuff. It's the time to think about this stuff. And you may say, Father, ah, you're just being hard on us. Get ready. we got six more weeks of this. It's going to be rough. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't looked that far ahead. But, you know, leave us alone. Don't pick on us. Don't. Well, that's what I'm here for. Oh, that's what you're here for. Yes, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to pick on you. The, the truth is that I'm fine with you the way you are, in a sense, I love you the way you are. I mean, I wouldn't want you to do any of spiritual development for me. Who am I? I'm just the guy who's here now. I want you to do it for you because of what it may do for you. And it's my job to, to keep you on that track, to poke you, to nudge you. Because when you love somebody, you don't, just say you're good enough. I mean, you say that you're good enough, but you know, I'd like you to even be better. You don't say to your kids, you're just beginning to form. Ah, you're good enough. I love you. I mean, you say that, but you want them to be better. Same thing for your spouse, for anyone. Hopefully you want that for me also, as I want it for you, but not because of uh, some sort of exterior, exterior, um, you know, tabulation of how are we progressing, but because of the interior change that it brings forth. I want it for you. I want you to be able to come forward and receive the Eucharist and really dispose yourself to receive the grace for you because of what God has for you, the gift that he has for you. And we're so tempted, right? I mean, even the kids. How many times we got to go to Mass? Like every week? Every week, we just went last week. Do we have to go again this week? Go talk to Father John. Yes, again. We just prayed last night before dinner. Again, again. Why? It's good for us. Not because we fear hell or we feel exclusion or we feel like, no, it's because it's good for us. Why God? Because God is the best thing for us. Why the Eucharist? Same answer. So as we begin Lent, let us not be afraid of looking at the list we have, the list of things we need to improve. I don't know what that is for you. And you might, you might start to think about it, and you might say, well, that's a long list, Father. Well, just cut off after three. Pick your top three and just say, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm not patient. I'm judgmental. I'm disobedient. Whatever it is. Let's, let's get to work. It's okay. Well, I don't like having my failures pointed out. I don't know what your failures are. Well, Father, you just named all three of them. <laughs> I just got lucky, you know. Um, we all kind of do the same thing. There's only 10 commandments, right? We all kind of do the same thing. And it's okay. We can be okay with looking at our lives and saying, you know what? I can do better. I can do better, and I'm going to start. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what God is here for also, to give us the strength and the courage to be transformed 
so that we are made ready for eternity. Please stand.